You know, I, I really think about all year how to make Mother's Day impactful for a lot of you. And so this is one of the best ways I could think to do that. This is what I have. Being a mom is not an easy job. Uh, not that I would personally know because I'm, I'm not a mom. Uh, but I know I've given my mom a heart attack lots of times. Lots of times. Keep your hands up if you want a chocolate-covered strawberry. Keep them up. Keep them up. They're coming around. Uh, sometimes I think that, that heart attack was, you know, spanking me so much, she just kind of got overwinded, and maybe it was coming home, or not, whatever. Um, being a parent is hard. Uh, I think in our culture, being a Christian parent is even harder, and so I've asked three of my friends to come and join us today. Uh, this might end up being Estrogen Fest 2013. And if it is, and you feel the need to cry, that's okay. There are, you know, Joseph was a crier, so you can too. Uh, there's Kleenex boxes all along the center aisles of everybody's row, so if you need, you know, a good cry to let it out, you can grab some and, you know, wipe your nose and do all that. Uh, the ladies here are from four different walks of life, but they're all mothers, and hopefully one of them will resonate with you. Uh, so I'm going to ask them some questions. They're going to share some things with you. And then you have the opportunity to ask them some questions. You can raise your hand and do that. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can uh, text. You can go ahead and, and text any question you might have for them to this number. Uh, and we'll get that while we're up here. And if you don't feel like texting and, and you don't feel like raising your hand, but you still want to ask a question, there are three by five cards uh, around on all the community tables in the room, and you can write a question on that. When we're done, hand them to me or hand them uh, to Mikey, and we will have them up here to ask either next service or when all the services are done, they're going to hang out for another half an hour, and we're going to ask them any questions that we have left over. All right? You're like, I have no idea. Thank you. I have no idea how this is going to go. Uh, with their answers, just let you know, you don't have to agree with them, uh, with everything they say. Uh, you know, you may, you, you may not agree with everything, but it's okay. I thought we could work through some things and be very, very practical. So what we're going to do is we're going to start, and we're going to start with Jess on this side, and we're going to walk around, and they're going to all tell you why I asked them to be up here today. That'd be you. Okay. <laughs> My name is Jessa. Um, I've been married for almost 20 years. I have six kids. And the reason that Aaron asked me up here today is because uh, my story really starts in a home that was completely far away from the Lord. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I wasn't raised with any idea of who Christ was. And um, in spite of that, when I heard the gospel and when I asked Christ in my heart and became saved, he was able to redeem all of those years that were lost as a kid and as a teenager. And I was really able to grow in him and become a Christ-centered wife and hopefully a godly mother, at least one who desires to put God first in the home, whether I succeed at that all the time or not. So I hope that I can encourage any of you who maybe grew up in a place where you didn't have a great role model, either as a godly mom or a godly dad, I can encourage you that Christ really is a healer, and he can heal that time, and he can grow you into the mother, the wife, the husband that he desires you to be. I am Amanda, and I've been married for about four years. I was uh, married for the first time when I was 19 years old. And it was a brief and, um, it was a brief marriage. And in the fallout of that marriage, I, uh, I made some terrible decisions. I found myself pregnant illegitimately. And, uh, I then lived a life of a single mom for several years and went through, um, all the heartache of not only the breakup of my marriage and then finding out I'm pregnant. And I was raised in a, in a home where I knew better and I knew that 
these things were not something that I should be uh, striving to achieve in my life. And um, and then uh, after a few years of being a single mom and um, and God really bringing me back to Himself and showing me that uh, all the grace that He can give me and all the love that He gave me in the moments when I probably hated myself the most, like more than anybody else could have, I did. And um, the beauty of my story is that God has uh, brought me back to a place and he has restored the relationship between the two of us. And we have, uh, he's extended so much grace to me that it is just, it's absolutely mind blowing to me. And in that extension of grace, I also, uh, later after I'd had my first child, met my husband and um, he's pretty spectacular. And we've been married for four years now. We have another daughter. And um, so I've gone from being a uh, a conservative Christian child raised in a very good home to a uh, divorcee to a single parent um, now to a, a legitimate wedded woman again and um, and I have two beautiful children and a fantastic husband and uh, and God has really brought me through some seriously dark times um, and and just been as gracious to me far more gracious than I ever could have imagined and and much more so than I deserve and that's why I'm up here and uh, Matt, there's Kleenexes right now. <laughs> <laughs> I handed them to him before I left. Oh, okay. <laughs> my name is Pam Brown. Um, my husband, Doug, and I have been married for almost 36 years, and we have eight children. I think you that I'm... say, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'm up here um, to represent the Christian family who tries to do everything that they can to raise their children in godly ways, and then not all those children choose to follow the Lord. Um, and I'm here to just encourage you, uh, those of you who may be walking in the same shoes that I am, that forgiveness is... Um, Forgiveness is what we need to offer to our children when they don't make the choices that we raise them to make. When we're not proud of some of the the walks in their life that they choose. Um, our children are growing into adults now and some of them are experiencing the fruit of some of their choices. And we're just here to support them and to forgive them just like Jesus forgives us for the sins that we have in our life. So, <clears throat> Jessa, uh, let's let's talk about kind of where you started. You're you're in this home. If you want to talk a little bit about what that looked like and kind of the impact that had upon you, and then how you got married and the gospel coming into your life, and how that changes how you and Nathan and your folks and parenting. Sure. Well, um, my dad had an alcohol problem. It's pretty common, unfortunately, and my mom um, really was the victim of abuse, physical abuse and emotional abuse by my dad, but she was the kind that never really had the inner strength or any uh, support network around her to get away. So as we grew up and got older, my brother and I, that abuse really you know, began to come on to us too. And one of the probably most discouraging moments of my life, there were a couple, but at one point I was about um, 16 years old. I had had a couple of boyfriends. I'd been sneaking out of the house, getting into trouble. And my parents raised me where if you did something, if they gave you a rule, the point of that rule was you didn't want to make the adults look bad. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't about, um, you know, coming from a Christian perspective, I teach my kids right and wrong because it honors the Lord. For my parents, it really was the image that they had in the family. And so I was about 16, I had snuck out, I came back in the house, 
and my dad had been waiting for me. My mom and dad realized I were gone. They were kind of in my room waiting. My dad grabbed me by the head, threw me down on the ground, and started cutting all my hair off and calling me every horrible name you can imagine from a community whore to, um, I, I can't even repeat most of the things he was saying. And as horrible as it was to have that happen with your dad, my mom was standing in the doorway and just watching and did nothing to step in. So um, that was a moment when I really felt like there was nobody in the world there to protect me, that would help me, that would protect me, those people that you count on to step in for you and um, help you when, when you're in your moment of greatest need. So I would say by at that moment, that was really a turning point for me where I rejected everything um, on my parents, my family, everything. I ended up living in my car at about 17, just doing whatever I had to do to get by. And God was so gracious to me because he brought my husband into my life, who at that moment in time was no better off than I was. <laughs> but he had a plan for us. And we ended up getting married. Um, we ended up getting pregnant really quickly, which was unexpected. But I know that when I had my daughter, we both wanted her life to be completely different than anything that we had experienced. That was our, that was our, you know, drive at that moment was to give her a life that we never had. He had come from an abusive situation too. So we began to try and find things in our life that might be different than what we had experienced. So we started going to church. Because we figured, you know, the nice people we knew that had decent loving families went to church. Um, obviously, that didn't really fix any of the problems that we had because it wasn't a real relationship with God. It was just an outward thing. But we began to hear the scripture and God started drawing us to himself through that. And uh, by the time our daughter was a year and a half, we actually heard the gospel for the first time. And when we heard the gospel, it definitely just cut us both to the heart. And within a period of two to three weeks, we both ended up asking Christ into our lives um, separately, but at the same period of time. And the transformation has just been, you know, miraculous, honestly. And I just thank him every day because um, had it not been for his healing and his redemption in our life, you know, I don't know how I would have ended up any differently than what I came from, really. So what was the focus on before Christ, and then what's the focus on, well, obviously, after? Well, before Christ, and this is kind of something that I tell my kids, too, especially those who haven't um, asked him into their heart yet, I couldn't be anything other than self-centered. The only thing I could focus on was myself. And, you know, when you have a hole in your heart, when you're seeking out something to make you feel better, it's going to be a lot of destructive stuff. It's going to be a lot of... Um, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be sex, it could be any of those things, or maybe all of those things. Um, and so for me, once, once Christ was in my life, I really realized that, first off, it wasn't all about me. And secondly, that there was somebody in my life who was not going to let me go. You know, I had felt up until that moment that the relationships in my life, I had been to some extent disposable. And I was in a position with Christ now where he was never going to let me go. He would always step in. He would always protect me. He would always be present. And um, 
That was such a relief. Uh, so, Pam, how do you, as a mom, deal with the heart reaction of a child who doesn't love Jesus? Well, as you can imagine, it's a, a very um, heart-wrenching situation sometimes. Um, some of our children are walking with the Lord and some are not. Some have made very poor choices involving drugs and alcohol. Um, some of them are very um, self-made people. And they have yet to feel that that need in their heart for the Lord. Although they were raised in a Christian home, they were raised going to church and Sunday school, and we tried to role model being um, children of Christ. We taught them everything that we knew, and yet they still made their own choices because despite how much we role modeled and preached and harped on them, they have a free will. And some of them have chosen to walk in that free will. They are now dealing with the consequences of walking in that free will. But there's nothing that we can do other than pray for them and always support them and encourage them and offer forgiveness. I tell people all the time that the first time that children experience the love of the Lord is through their mom. We breastfeed them, we nurture them, we love them, um, we discipline them, but we always offer them forgiveness no matter what they do, and that's the same that the Lord has done for us. So as our children are growing into adults, we are there to support and encourage them no matter what their choices are. They know that we don't always agree with what they're doing, um, but they always know that mom and dad are there for them. And I want them to experience the love of the Lord through us because they may not be seeking the Lord right now, but I know that in my heart, it's my heart's desire that before Doug and I die, that each one of our children would be walking with the Lord. And I want them to always be able to remember that there was one person that prayed for them, and that was their mom. And not to put words in Pam's mouth, but just so you all know, when she says support, she doesn't mean support them in their sin. She means that when they fall, they're there, they look, right? Oh, yeah. We, we <laughs> do not enable them, and they're, they'll be the first ones to tell you that mom is probably the toughest on them, um, tougher than dad. Um, we absolutely do not enable them in their sin, but we, we love them and we do support them. And that the definition of support is sometimes misunderstood but support does not include enabling. We'll go back over here to Amanda. Uh, Amanda, she's a single mom for a little bit, and a lot of times what happens when uh, moms are raising a kid by themselves is they start to coddle uh, their child, where they let their kids get away with a lot of stuff because there's been so much going on in that. Now, uh, Amanda's son, Jack, he's probably one of the best-behaved kids I've really ever met. And it kind of is one of the things that made me think she'd be a great person to be up here. So I'd like you to kind of talk about, you know, what do you do when discipline issues arise? And, and what has your focus been on Jack like that in the midst of single parenthood? Single parenthood. Um, so being a single parent is, I would say being a single parent isn't that much different than being a working parent, um, other than you have no one to share the burden with. Um, and I think that as a mother especially, we... I don't know why, but we live in like a guilt complex. Even if, say, I'm leaving for work 
and my husband has left for work already, work already, when he leaves for work in the morning, he doesn't, like when the kids are clinging to him and like snots coming down their face and all this, he doesn't feel guilty. He's going to work. He's fine. When I leave for work, I'm, I am like, oh, how could I leave my babies? I'm going to work. This is terrible. And as a single parent, it's that to the nth degree because you have to go out and you have to make a living for them. You have to be their mother, their father, their provider. You really have to be, um, you're responsible for all aspects of their life. And because of that, and because of how tired you are from working so hard, because when you get home, you still have laundry to do, and you still have meals to prepare for the next day, and you still have to figure out who's watching them when you go to work, and work at all the scheduling and those sorts of things. As a single parent, it is so easy to um, get caught up in how much you love your child and how spectacular you think they are and how um, how perfect they are to you, and you forget that um, that in the Bible God talks repeatedly about um, about the discipline of your children and about how foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them, and those sorts of things. There are so many instances in Scripture where God says he disciplines those who he loves. Fathers, discipline your children if you love them. Be diligent in your discipline. And I think um, I had another friend who, long before I was ever a single parent, had modeled parenting to me, and she had gotten her model of parenting, curiously enough, from my mother. And um, she told me, uh, and my mom has always said this as well, you discipline your kids when they're young, so they will discipline themselves when they're grown. And um, the thing about that is I don't need to be friends with my kids when they're babies or when they're little. I want to like them as people when they're grown. I want to raise them to be responsible, loving, giving adults. And I think um, part of that is uh, is making them realize there are consequences to their action. And especially as a single parent when you're tired and you're sitting on the couch and you're all you want to do is cuddle with them and just pretend like, they didn't just yell at you or they didn't just uh, speak back to you or they didn't just disobey you right in front of your face and you want to lay there and you want to cuddle with them because you crave that time with your child and you feel like you're missing out on it. Um, but what you need to do is you need to get up and you have to say, um, my child's future is what's important and I'm looking at the big picture. I love my kid enough to get up when I'm tired and to to um, pull the car over when you need to or to count to 10 or to put them in timeout or whatever it is, the discipline that you... Take them into the Giovanni's bathroom. Take, I've done that. I think you know that, though. Take them into the Giovanni's bathroom. You know, whatever is your preferred method of discipline. Um, discipline is something that requires diligence and it requires you being a person of your word. And I think the beauty of discipline is that when you are when you're disciplining your children you're also teaching them to respect you they're teaching you're teaching them that you perform your word that um, that your word is good if I tell my son son if you do that I'm going to spank you if he does it he's gonna get spanked and my son knows that um, and the beauty of that is he has no question where I'm concerned he knows exactly where he stands he knows not only how much I love him but he knows that I care about him enough to get up and discipline him and to um, to take the time out of uh, the energy that I don't have and and give to my kid when I don't have the when I really don't have anything to give him. So discipline's something that um, for me, uh, the way I was raised, it was very important. And even now, I think it's very important. We don't um, we discipline our children, and we don't do it uh, because we're angry or we're mad or they did something dumb. We do it because I want my children to know that discipline is a good thing. That discipline is from God. Not only do I discipline them, but God disciplines me, and I'm showing you that as a role model of what you can expect in your life with Jesus. And um, and again, the Bible several times will tell you that God disciplines those who he loves. If he didn't love us so much, he wouldn't take the time out to discipline us. I remember being in high school, and um, it was our senior year, and it was in my house. My parents were very strict, and um, we had curfews, and uh, call me when you get there, call me when you're leaving, who are you with, do I know their parents, etc. 
And senior year, things started to get more relaxed. My parents gave us a little more rope, you know, to hang yourself with or whatever. And I had a, I had a girlfriend who, her parents didn't care. She could go out. She could be with who she wanted to be. She could drive around at whatever time, day or night, etc. And I remember telling her one day, Tab, you're so lucky because, you know, your parents let you do whatever you want. And she looked at me and she said, as a senior in high school, and she says, um, you're lucky. Your parents care enough to wonder where you are. And I remember that hit me even at that time. And I went back to my parents and told them, thank you for taking the time to discipline me, which is something I never would have thought I would have said. Like, thanks for making me cry all those times and paddling me. But you really, as you look back on your life as an adult, you realize the um, the discipline it takes for your parents to discipline you and um, how tired they are and how they're giving it out of love to you and they're trying to help you and form you into the person that um, that Christ would want you to be. Like I said, she can talk. <laughs> so in, in that vein, you now you know Poppy. Poppy's two, right? Poppy is okay, two. Poppy's two, and uh, Jack's seven. Jack's so seven. what what are the differences that you see now with the, with a young child and an older child in those disciplines? How what's the difference between those two? Um, well, I think um, well, first of all, I can say Jack got away with a whole lot less than Poppy does, and and I can say we are still we have the we tow the same line. However, um, I think. Uh, the amount of ability you have to focus on your first, when it's your only child, you have exclusively time to devote to that child. And when you have multiples or, um, or siblings, it, things get a little more difficult. But I can say that, um, that Jack understands the, like the details of obedience. He understands that it's a heart issue. He understands that, um, that Jesus asked us to behave this way and to love one another. And so for these reasons, we don't speak disrespectfully. And for these reasons, we don't lie. And, um, and your integrity is how you behave when no one's watching. And, and we work those things out when people are watching so that when no one's watching, you have your integrity. And Poppy, she's only two, and her basic understanding is, I said no, you're not going to do that. And she either goes for it or she doesn't. And the something my mother also told me when I was a child was, um, the difference between children that are well-disciplined and children that aren't is when um, when your kid's running out into the street and you yell, stop, because there's a car coming and it's going to smack them. If your child knows your voice, if your child knows your your love for them as well as the strength in your voice, when I say to my kids, stop, my I know my child's not going to run out in the street. And that's the thing is discipline is so important on so many levels, but I mean on a basic physical level, if your kid is running for the street, he's going to get his ball, and you say stop, you want that kid to stop. You want him to know that your voice, you have a reason for what you're saying, whether they know it at that point or not, that kid needs to stop before they get in the street and get hurt. And as parents... We are, we are um, tasked with protecting our kids, loving our kids, nurturing our kids, growing our kids, and I think that um, that while Poppy only understands like the big picture, this is a no, you don't hit, you have to share, and Jack is starting to understand the um, the whys about why we do what we do, how we behave, the way we behave, um, and I would say that's the difference. Sorry, I, I think it, I went long there. Is the snap part of it? Is the snap? Oh, I'll snap. You'll see me snap. You'll see it. I'll do it. All right, Jessa, you, you have kids you know, that, that run a gamut of ages in this. So how do you deal with different personality issues with your children? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I, I love everything that Amanda said. And one of our big things, too, with uh, whenever you're working with your kids and trying to get them to listen to you and hear what you have to say is just consistency. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of the hardest things for me, just my personality. I'm much more spontaneous. I'm not a big, you know, I'm not the kind of person that's going to schedule out every minute of my day and all that kind of thing, routine. Eh. 
But um, with, with the kids, it's really, really important that they see you be consistent with what you tell them, with um, your expectations and, and all of that. So uh, we've worked with and had friends with tons of different people that have different ways of parenting their kids. Mm -hmm. But the successful families that we've been friends with and known and seen their kids um, really respect their parents and listen are the ones where the mom and dad are together as a team and they're consistent in what they're telling their kids. They're not bouncing around from, you know, idea to idea or philosophy to philosophy. They're, they really, you know, pulled together as a team and stayed united as they've worked with their kids. With our kids, we have some that are very, very sensitive. Our girls are pleasers. Um, their biggest fear in life is upsetting mom and dad. And then some of our boys, really couldn't care less <laughs> so uh, with our girls if you know they were to get into trouble or do something we could usually just kind of you know point a finger and look at them cross-eyed they'd be in tears they'd be writing letters of repentance they would you know be asking us you know what can I do to restore this broken relationship and um, we'd be like it's okay <laughs> but some of our boys on the other hand it has been you know again that consistency thing and it's really really hard when you're working with a kid who's willful, who's um, selfish, who's mm -hmm. self-determined. But the first thing that we have to do is remember, where did they get that from? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> my kids that are the most difficult also remind me the most of myself. And um, and just being consistent, not giving, them up, giving up when it's getting difficult, when you feel like you're not getting anywhere, when you feel like you're stuck in that tar pit. You just keep moving forward because the Lord's going to honor that. Um, I know too that, you know, all of our kids are held to the same standard. We don't get to that standard the same route with every kid. Uh, but it's important to us that they all understand, you know, um, what's right, what's wrong, who's Christ, and why. And what I shared with you guys earlier, with my parents, whenever there was a rule in the house, it was really hinged on how does it make the family look, you know, these external things. With our kids, we want them to understand that the rules we set up are rooted in something much bigger than my ego or their dad's reputation or something like that. It's really rooted in our desire for them to have a less or a more unencumbered walk with the Lord. That these things that you put on, these sins that you put on, really um, tangle you up as you go through life as far as being able to live a godly life. So we really try and explain to them, it's not my rule really and you are going to have a consequence if you disobey mm -hmm. and it's not going to be my consequence mm -hmm. it's god's so pam moving over to you uh you're in a place where you have some adult children uh how uh how do you parent adult children because you're um, still a mother even though they're out of the house so you bet i am a mom and i will be their mom forever um and i think that I think they understand that. When they're younger, um, we tend to direct them. You know, they have consequences and boundaries, and we direct what we want them to do and their behavior that we're looking for. But as they become adults, we do more guiding. Um, my husband has really taught me that as children grow older, it's not about giving them 
my opinion, although I'm more than welcome, I'm more than willing to give my opinion. Um, when they ask it, sometimes not. Even when they ask, I'll just offer it anyway, which just irritates the heck out of them. Um, but really and truly, the way that we tend to build a friendship with our adult children is by guiding them. We'll enter into dialogue with them. And we may have a goal in our mind about where we're trying to get this conversation to go, but we don't sit there and point the finger and tell them what we want. We ask questions and we let them think about whatever the issue is and we let them think about what how they want to respond to it. And there's a certain way that you just... Um, you guide that that dialogue, and if you have built a foundation of trust with your children over the year, over the years, then they they welcome that dialogue. If the trust um, has been broken, then sometimes you have to work harder to get that dialogue to happen. But we just want our kids to know that no matter what choices in life they make, we will be there for them. When the sun comes up tomorrow, I want them to know that mom and dad have always been there for them and always will be, no matter what choices in life they're making. But I am a mom. I'm always going to be their mom. I have certain expectations. Integrity and character is really, really important to me. And I'm going to try until the day that I die to impart those things in all my children. And... Um, I just, I'm going to love them regardless of the choices that they make. Not enable, but love them. So you are probably uh, the closest to being an empty nester at this point because, you know, some are, you say you have the revolving door, you know, they go and they come back. But, you know, what, what things now that I mean, your kids are getting older, are what, what do you miss the most about them being in the home? And then how do you deal with those things? And then, you know, what do you love about a lot of them not being in the home anymore? <laughs> well, um, we do have the revolving door go on. Uh, those of you who have raised teenagers and adult children, most of us experience the revolving door, which personally for Doug and I, we love it. We love our kids being home. And I think that's the thing that we miss the most is just having them home a lot, getting to spend a lot of time with them. We miss, um, we miss throwing them in the station wagon and having eight kids fighting and carrying on and the noise and I've seen that movie. <laughs> we are that movie. Um, you know, we we miss those times around the dinner table when the kids are carrying on. And, you know, at the time when you're living it, when your kids are little, you're thinking, oh, my God, can can they just grow up? Can they just be decent human beings? And now that they're becoming decent human beings, we want them to go back and be little again. We really do miss that. But the blessing of having the family that we have is that we're getting lots and lots of grandchildren. So as the kids are moving on... And that's a rule for them, right? You need to make... Yes, yes. And they're doing it really, really well. <laughs> um, but as the kids are moving on and moving out of the house, which we deeply miss, um, the grandkids are coming back and we're deeply enjoying that aspect of life. Okay, so Amanda, j jumping back to to Jack and and Matt and what that looks like, how how does Jack progress in his growing with Matt as a father and the whole idea of adoption, you know, with with his bio dad versus you know calling Matt his dad? So Jack has been um, so Jack's biologically not my husband's, um, and his Jack's biological dad has made 
some terrible choices in his life and chosen um, synthetic products over um, over the love of his child and the and the belonging to a family aspects of his life. And um, since since really Jack's entire life, the only time he's ever been with his biological dad is supervised only um, because of the decisions that um, that his biological father has made um, regarding his own life, regarding drugs, alcohol, anger issues, those sorts of things, jail time, that kind of stuff. So, um, so because of those things, Jack has had a very limited amount of time with his biological dad. Um, and I have, I have told his biological dad years ago, listen, kids are much smarter than you give them credit for, and this child is going to know. He's going to pick up on the things that you're doing that you think he can't figure out. He's going to pick up on your mood swings and just because he can't identify that you're high right now doesn't mean he doesn't know that something's wrong. He doesn't know that, that something doesn't feel safe here, that something doesn't feel right here, that he doesn't have a respect for you, and that you're not a man he wants to emulate. And, um, and we've, uh, when Matt and I met, um, I had told him I'm not interested in ever being married again. We'd been friends. We'd worked together for a while. We'd been friends for a while, and he already knew. I was not interested in being married again. I definitely was not interested in having any more children. I had in my... I was working my butt off to keep to take care of the one I had, and um, and uh, and I also had told Matt that uh, if I ever met someone, that I would have to be a hundred and ten percent convinced that they were in love with my son as much as I was, and um, and that's a super, um, that's a lofty goal, and um, and not something that um, that's not something to take lightly. It's a lofty goal, and it's something that um, would be majorly something that I would have to believe in someone's character and integrity so much, especially as a single parent, you, you know, you're a magnet for pedophiles and those sorts of things. All the things you have to think about and worry about as a single parent, I just, I wasn't willing to go there. And then lo and behold, my friend here, uh, convinced me. Um, and, and it was beautiful because the love between my husband and my son has grown, um, slowly. And my husband's, uh, he is a, quiet man unless you know him or he's talking under his breath there's a lot there but not <laughs> not a lot in an actual conversation so <laughs> um, and the the beauty of him is that I know that he's someone that he doesn't he doesn't use ten words when he needs one he doesn't he's gonna be honest with you even if it hurts your feelings don't ask him if you look fat in those jeans it's not a great idea um, <laughs> and and uh, and the beauty of that is that I as I watch the relationship between my son and he was my boyfriend at the time, Evolve, Matt and I were very careful in our relationship. We didn't kiss in front of my son. We didn't hold hands in front of my son. I um, I didn't want there to be, as much as I could protect my son from a, an emotional attachment that wasn't going to be permanent, I was going to do that. And so uh, as I watched their relationship evolve, uh, Matt and Jack fell in love with each other. And by the time we got engaged, the night we got engaged, actually, um, my son was sitting in my husband's lap, and the final flower rose. He like led me on a series of clues and all this stuff, and um, and Jack was sitting in my in my husband's lap, and Jack said, "Kiss her, kiss her," which is something we'd never even done in front of him, and um, and it was at that point I started to realize how deep this relationship had grown, and um, and then shortly after we got engaged, and my son started saying, "Can I call him daddy?" And of course, my husband's probably crying right now, but he was definitely crying that day, and uh, and so since then, um, it's funny because. It's like they adopted each other, and without um, without anyone having a conversation with them, without uh, without any formal trappings. Uh, technically, by technically, my son is not related to my husband. He's not technically been adopted by my husband. But if you ask my son who his daddy is, he knows who his daddy is, and he loves his daddy, and he has respect for his daddy. And um, it's uh, it's been one of the most beautiful and um, humbling and 
and um, and been one of the most accurate displays of the grace of God that I've ever seen watching those two. Who's playing next for Got it. <laughs> all right, so for, for all of you, if you could just kind of uh, talk a little bit about how your husband's partner with you and helping you be a better mom and yeah, when my husband and I first got married, um, our relationship wasn't built on anything much more than uh, he thought I was hot, and I agreed with him. So that was the total substance of, of our relationship. So needless to say, when we got pregnant really quickly and had a child together and started going through the pressures of trying to you know work and, and raise this child... Um, our relationship really started to buckle quickly. And by the time we had been married two years, we were openly discussing the idea of divorcing. And during that time, I my sole focus had been my daughter. I felt like the only thing I was worried about was whether you know my daughter was happy or not. And um, I really, we, we accepted Christ, both of us, we were saved. And I really started to try to understand what God wanted me to be as a mother. And the more I tried to understand what he wanted me to be as a mother, the more I kind of had to face what he wanted me to be as a wife. So um, it really was a process, and God still takes me uh, back to certain verses and times and reminds me that I need to be focused on being a wife to my husband as much as, if not more than, a, a mother to my children. So for me, it's my relationship with Christ is number one. My relationship with my husband is second, and then out of those things, I become a good mother. Um, and it's difficult, I think, sometimes to put your heart into the hands of someone else, especially another human that you can look at and see their flaws and their weaknesses. But uh, it's a really, like. <laughs> it's a really beautiful thing when you can trust the Lord, when you can trust your husband enough to know that he loves the Lord and is going to put um, you and your family first. So through that, we're able to be a team, we're able to be unified, and I know for our kids, that just creates a lot of stability and security and love in our home. They're not worried about mom and dad not getting along. They're not worried about one day uh, we might not be together. That doesn't really even exist in their minds to them. It's, you know, we are very much a united front. Pam, you go next. I'll go next. Um, I married my best friend. We started dating when I was 14. Um, 36 years later, he's still my best friend. That doesn't mean that life hasn't been really hard when you raise eight children financially. It can be a struggle sometimes. Um, marriage is difficult. Whether you marry the man of your dreams and your best friend or you marry somebody that you are adverse with. Um, life can be really hard and marriage is not easy. We have made a commitment to one another to keep our marriage strong. Um, we've made a commitment to role model and teach our children what we want their marriages to look like. And we're really, really excited because they've all chosen well. And we are, um, I think, the role model that they are now trying to live their marriages out to be. Um, I just, we have always parented together. My husband is a very soft-spoken, kind, gentle person. 
I, on the other hand, am the bull in the china shop. Um, I'm the one that always caught the kids doing whatever they were going to do. I had this sense, you know, I just, as a mom, you just know when your kids are making poor choices. Um, so between the two of us, we're very different people, but we parented together. Um, we put those two differences together and we're kind of like the puzzle pieces that go together and we built that foundation for the kids. My kids think that Doug walks on water and um, sometimes he does and other times he doesn't. Um, <laughs> but together it's good. You know, they know that I'm sort of the bull in the china shop. They know that dad is the calm, loving, kind one. Um, but the bottom line is when the sun comes up tomorrow, they know that both of us are there for them no matter what path in life that they are choosing to take. And we are praying that by the time we die, each one of our children will be walking with the Lord. Until then, we're going to keep praying for them. Um, as far as Matt and I go, when because when we, when we partnered up with each other, I had already been raising Jack and such things. He told me that he took his cues from me on... Um, basically the way I had already begun to raise my son and the, the things that I had already made a priority and those sorts of things, m most of which I got from my childhood, my parents, and the way they raised me and my siblings. And um, so Matt and I have, we're partnered in every sense of the word. It took a while, I think, to get to the point where, I know in the beginning, especially with discipline, um, and this is the things I love about him, is uh, he's, he wasn't going to discipline my son if I wasn't in the room. There was, he would not give my son a bath. Um, refused or if he did it would be like Jack wash your own private parts I would hear him I'm like you're his daddy like it's okay he's two three whatever he was I was like it's okay no 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 um, but these are the beautiful things about my husband is that he is so um, he's so straight at some on some level and he uh, he has so much respect for uh, the way Jack was being raised before he came along and and added himself to that and partnered with us and um, and so for that reason, Matt and I, and I totally agree with what both of these ladies said about um, your partner is, um, your relationship with your partner has to come before your relationship with your children because out of the relationship with your partner you provide, I mean, and excluding if you don't have a partner, um, because out of that relationship you provide safety, security, your home base, your rock that your kids run to when they're, I mean, when they're sick, your kids want to be at home. When they're sad, they want to be at home. When they're scared, they want their mom and dad, and they need to know that this is their safe place, that we're good, and we've got this, and that we've got you also. And so for us, we uh, we partner in every way. We uh, try to go to one of us and then go to the other and be like, uh-huh, can I have this? What'd your dad say? Oh, he said no. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> it's not going to work. So, But we've made, a, we've made a joint effort to um, consult each other on things, to speak about things. We lay up in bed oftentimes and discuss our failures as parents and our successes as parents and we cry a lot. I mean, he cries more than I do, but we do cry a lot. <laughs> He's like Joseph. He's biblical. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, you know what I actually have to do right now? And I'm really sorry because some of you have actually sent us some questions I was going to ask them, but it's so late that, but that what we're going to do actually is after all the services are done, we're bringing them back. Uh, we're going to ask them the questions you guys have sent us. And then we're going to put them up on the website. So you can, if you have a question that you've asked, because you've got a couple, uh, what we'll do is you can look up hopefully this week or next couple weeks, and we'll put them up as video blogs, and you can watch the questions and the answers. So someone want to grab the band? This is really awkward. We really don't know 
hey, da 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 da, we're done, you know, uh, kind of thing. Um, what we'd also want to encourage you guys is, if you need prayer, oh. If you need prayer for anything, there there are deacons and elders in in the back of the room today. Uh, one of the reasons I had them do this is I want you guys to understand that. You know, you may be in a spot in, in your life where maybe you're a single parent or maybe you're married and you're having a really tough time. It, it doesn't have to end there. It, it can get better. And all, all these ladies, they're going to be hanging out today. They'll be in the back. If you want to go up and talk to them or ask them some questions that, that you may have, you don't feel comfortable asking in front of a room. If you want them to pray for you, they, they'd be more than willing to pray for you. So I just want you to understand, we, just, we wanted to make this as practical as possible for Mother's Day because it's going to get a lot more moms today than really any other day. And so we want you guys to walk out of here with something that, that resonates enough in you that, you know what, you don't have to give up. There's always hope. How you parent your kids actually matters. And above all of that stands the grace of God. And so I'm going to pray. And uh, if you guys want to take communion, you can. We were debating if we were going to offer communion this morning or not, but I guess it's become our tradition, so it's there. And you are more than welcome to come and take uh, communion if you'd like to. But I'm going to pray, and then uh, they'll play a couple songs. Uh, Father, thank you so much for being a God who loves us and extends grace to us more than, quite frankly, we could ever understand. That the, the places in our lives that we find ourselves many times because of our own decisions are not the places where we have to end our lives. You are a God who comes and brings redemption to us. That you are a God who calls us to openness and honesty before you. And when we live that, in front of you, we understand more and more the grace that you have already given to us. So today, I ask that you would uh, touch the moms in this room who just feel like they're, they're total failures and that your grace would extend deeply to them. And maybe there is some things that they need to change. Maybe there are some things that need to be done different. I ask that your spirit would guide them in that. And I ask that you would help them to understand the deep and great calling that it is that you have placed upon them. We ask that you would use all of us as an entire church body to come alongside the mothers around us and encourage them and love them and support them in a way that always points to you. That the parents in this room be people who lift up you first. And with you being lifted up, you draw all men to yourself. Have that be the ultimate goal of motherhood. Lifting you up so that all of their kids' lives become those who are lived in worship and glory and honor of you. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.